We are the Narrators 3, Elisa, Lynn, and Chell. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch, where every plot device comes with a price. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 1, Episode 11, Fruit of the Poisonous Tree. This originally aired on January 29th, 2012. The writers for this episode were Ian Goldberg and Andrew Chambliss, who we remember from Episode 6, The Shepherd, a much better episode than this is. It was directed by Brian Spicer. His directing credits include the reboot Magnum P.I., Castle, 24, The Lone Gunman, Sequest 2032, Parker Lewis Can't Lose, and the 1995 Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie. Cinema masterpiece. Yes, dear. (laughs) The title card for this episode is The Genie, because they got creative. Okay, let's crack into this. We begin our episode in Storybrooke where Henry is frantically bicycling to the seaside play castle, which has been damaged during the storm seen in the previous episode. And I just want to say, I'm glad Emma's rocking her Gerard Way party poison look in this episode. To be honest, I'm surprised that that castle hasn't been torn up before now. It is awfully close to the water. I mean, it might have been, and we just don't know about it. It could be like, you know, Malibu, and they just have to rebuild it every season. Yeah, or maybe <laughs> because of the, like, time bubble... Like yeah, the, the weather, weather bubble. bubble. It kept it fine. And now that that's all coming down, all of a sudden it's like, We oh, never no. had bad weather until <laughs> Emma showed up. Pretty much. <laughs> I know, here in very temperate and even Maine. <laughs> it's just like the all dogs go to heaven with, it's always 65 degrees. Oh it's just God. perpetual. That's terrible. That's freezing. Freezing. <laughs> 65 degrees is personal hell. Uh, I'm still used to 65 feeling like practically balmy to me because I still haven't had Northern California beat out of me yet, but that's neither here nor there. Having buried the book in a metal case so that Regina wouldn't find it, Henry is desperate to ensure its safety. Emma joins him as he unearths the box, relieved to find that it is intact and safe. Excellent hiding spot, Henry. Never mind Regina. The sea is going to steal your book. Better the sea than Regina who catches up with Henry, annoyed as he is late for his appointment with Dr. Hopper. She shoes Henry to the car so that she can have words with Emma, expressing her displeasure at the dilapidated state of the play structure, stating it is dangerous. Regina tells Emma not to let her feelings cloud her judgment, to exercise some responsibility and prioritize safety. And honestly, Regina's whole rant here is borderline incoherent. Like, goddamn woman, your head is so far up your ass about Emma doing literally anything at any time, anywhere, that half the things you say are just gibberish at this point. I understand she was trying to make a point, but she was really bad at getting to it. True. And to which I gotta say, I I am actually with Regina on this point. Like, you know, meandering point, though it was. It was Uh, meandering. She just, like, spent a good five minutes huffing and puffing when she could have just been like, it's structurally unsound, Swan. Yeah. Yeah, that (laughs) castle is in a sorry-ass state. Instead, she just inflated and gibbered, and Emma clearly is looking at her like, is there going to be a point in here somewhere? But like symbolically, it's so sad because she's literally destroying like Henry's castle, which has been like his little bridge to the fairy tale world. That's like where he hid the book. And it's where his secret castle where he brings Emma to like connect with the world of the enchanted forest. And like, she's just going to demolish it. Like poor Henry, Regina's like, nope, bulldoze down your hope. It's fine. You don't need anything good. Well, it's because it's the thing that he has good with Emma. Yeah. And as I previously stated, her head is so far up her ass about Emma doing literally anything at any time. Yeah. Which, you know, I guess I do get the point, like, it's a wooden, old wooden playground, like, right by the water in Maine. 
because it is a recipe I don't know it was fine until like this episode yeah it was fine with the magic weather bubble it was fine until this episode <laughs> it, it was okay so I mean maybe this is just me having been like a nanny and working like with children like most of my life and stuff where I'm just like that thing looks super unsafe it's all <laughs> I just see splinters and and like shards of wood going into little feet so that's, that's, oh, see, that's I just look at it through the lens as when I was a kid, I would have been happy as hell to have that thing. Oh no, me too. But yeah, yeah. Like, then see, the, the child get the child within me gets beaten out when you're you know taught to like <laughs> throw yourself in front of traffic for one. So all right, I can I sense. can I can see that. Whereas I just literally never grew up. So Aww. Emma commiserates with Mary Margaret, who receives a text from David saying, "We need to talk. Meet at our spot." Mary Margaret runs off with a secret little smile on her face. It's worth noting that Mary Margaret has the most goddamn ancient Nokia brick. Apparently the curse locked out all technological advancements. Oops, not now, sweetie. Mommy and daddy are having a nooner. (laughs) It's really kind of funny when you look back on it, the amount of like deeply inappropriate things that she discusses with Emma before they realize that she's her parent. A drunk Sidney Glass sits in Mary Margaret's now vacant seat, announcing that he and Regina are done. The mayor got him fired from the newspaper, and she made a fool of him during the sheriff election. Sidney offers Emma to help bring the mayor down, saying he's been working on expose and found damning information. Emma tells him to go home and sleep it off, but he leaves his card and tells Emma to call him because Storybrooke deserves to know the truth about her. He also makes some comment here about finding a crack in the mirror as an analogy to taking down Regina. And I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sake, dude. Yeah, they, they sure do like their puns. Yeah, on oh, yeah, like they just this. they just gotta just be as ham-fisted as possible with them. And it's like, ha, ha, ha. Oh, good one. Funny joke. Funny joke. <sighs> Moving right along. <laughs> We zoom in on Sydney's face and find ourselves seeing Sydney's past persona, the genie of Agrabah, trapped in his lamp, bored as someone approaches and rubs the lamp. So the set dressing for the lamp, um, when he's in the lamp, is very reminiscent of Genie's bottle from I Dream of Genie. And I love that. And it's pretty much the only thing I like about this Genie plotline. So my compliments for the splashback story basically end here. The set dressing was nice, like the bottle. Yeah, I actually do like that we start with his perspective and we do actually see him like, you know, kind of just bored, bored with his Mm -hmm. life and the tedium of it. And like, it it starts strong and it does because like he sees, he sees (laughs) the king like through the top of the lamp and Mm -hmm. he just makes this face of, oh Christ, here we go again. again. Yeah. Which, you know, misleadingly makes you think that this is going to be a lot more interesting than it actually is. But maybe that's just me. No, it's all of us. <laughs> the djinn emerges to grant three wishes for King Leopold, who has just happened upon the lamp and wants for nothing and is grinning like a total simpleton through this whole scene. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I do kind of, I, like, I didn't write it down, but like my first comment for this scene was, why is it always the rich getting richer? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I love the disclaimer scene that the genie delivers here. It's like a commercial for prescription drugs. It know? absolutely yeah. is. I mean, yeah. definitely like, you know, it's a, it's a hats off nod to um, Robin Williams delivery mm-hmm. as well. But I'm glad that they kept that in because it's very adorable. Mm-hmm. 
King Leopold converses with the genie, discovering that the mystical creature is a prisoner of his own magic. The king uses his first wish to grant the genie his freedom. For his second wish, the king wishes to give his third and final wish to the genie. I am so uncomfortable with the white savior freeing the man of color from his bondage. It is so tone deaf that it's staggering. Oh, it's super bad. And it's not going to get any better, especially when you take into consideration that with the exception of some of the background characters like the competent vet, who I wish we could replace August with, Sydney slash the genie is pretty much the only person of color we have seen on Once Upon a Time so far. It ain't good, fam. No. It's real bad. Real bad. TM. Bad, man. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's bad. It's bad news bears. <sighs> bad choices. Choices were made. The subtitle of this episode. Awestruck, the genie says that making a wish always comes with a price and vows he shall never use his wish foreshadowing. When King Leopold asks the djinn what he will do with his newfound freedom, the genie says he wants to find true love foreshadowing. King Leopold invites him to his palace and we all bid a fond welcome back to the jarring as hell bad CGI. This episode, like, it, it's like 98% CG environments for all the flashbacks. And it's rough. There's no, after the speech scene, there's no, there's no other charming forest scenes or anything like that. It's mm -hmm. all CGI and. Oh, it's real bad. It's, it's on caliber with pilot episode where Regina's walking down the hall and you see that her feet don't actually touch the floor. Yeah. Very bad. A lot of floating. <sighs> Once at the palace. The king introduces the genie to his daughter, Snow, and his wife, Regina. The genie is instantly smitten with the seemingly demure Queen Regina. Cupid's arrow right between the eyes. Also, I hate that all King Leopold can say about Snow is that she's beautiful. Fuck off. I hadn't noticed that before. I feel like the other times I'd watched this episode, I was more sympathetic to King Leopold. But you're right. Like... Literally, the next time you see him talk about her in this episode, that's all he does also. Anytime yeah. she's brought up, he's just like, Snow is beautiful and never says anything else. Yeah, it was weird watching the episode and it was a later scene and I turned to Lynn and I was like, King Leopold's kind of a dill hole. <laughs> yeah, we, we had the realization this time around that we were like, mate, wait, hey. does, <laughs> does he actually he suck? suck? <laughs> yeah. He yeah. actually sucks. He sucks. <laughs> yeah. Wait, he sucks. does he actually suck? <laughs> it sucks. He sucks and he cuts. Sorry, that's a Wayne's World reference for you youngins. <laughs> yeah, he sucks. He sucks. He's terrible. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. He doesn't he doesn't back suck. But hey, that's okay. Now we're going back to Storybrooke, where Emma shows up to the castle playground to find Henry watching it be torn down by a demolition crew. I feel like Madonna's This Used to Be My Playground should be playing in the background as Henry watches his childhood being bulldozed to the ground. <laughs> no, it's oh, sad. Like oh, a baby. <laughs> I, I highly recommend listeners, if you aren't familiar with that song, to please, please uh, go on YouTube and listen to it. Because <laughs> you will then hear that song next time that you see this scene and it will be hilarious <laughs> wasn't and it for it, you should like take whatever joy you can get where this episode is concerned wasn't the song for league of their own it was it was the yeah. song used at the end of league of your own, of their own. Yeah. Uh, madonna wrote it specifically for the movie i believe i was obsessed with that movie as a kid oh ditto hardcore <laughs> 
Henry is distraught to discover his book is gone. Regina tells Emma it was dangerous, so she had to tear it down. She also tells Emma to learn her place in this town or she'll no longer be in it. Regina leaves and Emma calls Sydney to tell him she's in and wants everyone to know about who Regina really is. Emma in the scene is just like, you made Henry sad, so it's fuck you time. I'm going to take you down. And I love it. There's just the rage in her eyes. We love her for that. (laughs) Meanwhile, Mary Margaret meets David on the bridge and he rushes her off to a picnic he's arranged. They kiss, despite Mary Margaret saying they have to stop doing this and tell people. David promises tomorrow. I am just so torn about this whole part. On the one hand, like, yay, my ship. But on the other hand, like, I don't know, David, come on. You're being a dick. You can't have it both ways. Yeah, David, no. Listen, as adorable as a surprise picnic is, I feel that there should be like a flashing disclaimer at the bottom of the screen. Warning, traditional infidelities lead to heartbreak. Married partner rarely leaves their spouse. Proceed with caution. Well, I mean, especially since he already was like, I'm totally gonna leave her for you. And then he like fucking didn't, so. Yeah. So, mm, disappointed Marge Simpson noise. Yeah, curse Mm -hmm. David. Make such shitty choices. Charming's Mm -hmm. perfect, but curse David is a... (laughs) We we did discuss, we're getting to the part of the show where it's like, Charming, you're an angel and we're happy to have you here. David, David, David. you make me angry and I might need to take a swing at you. But at least Mary Margaret, Smooch and David looked really cute in her fuzzy winter gloves. Listen, she's perfect. That little scene was cute, but yeah, no, David, it's just, ugh, David, 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 get your head in the game, <laughs> McLeod, mm, Dinkelberg. <laughs> Meanwhile, Emma meets Sydney in a secluded tunnel. Sydney looks like Inspector Gadget in this scene. Go, go, Sydney, expose. He does. It's actually pretty cute. It is cute. (laughs) He reveals that $50,000 is missing from the town's budget and Regina is responsible. Emma isn't impressed, but he's certain it will help them get to the bottom of Regina's secrets. He wants her phone tapped, GPS her car, hacker email, all that jazz. Damn, Sydney's a muckraker. Sure is. However, Emma insists that they investigate by the book. Sydney warns Emma to be prepared for her wrath. When Emma asks Sydney how he allowed himself to end up in her pocket, Sydney says he used to think she was a different person. A really interesting thing about this episode is that I do really love John Carlos' performance as Sydney Glass. And I think he's he's really great as this double-crossing reporter. And I, I think the character of Sydney is interesting, has a lot of potential. But like this Enchanted Forest Genie flashback storyline makes me so uncomfortable. And I wish this flashback story was anything else but this, because like this plot line with like like Sydney and double crossing and that part of this episode is good it's fun and I I agree I agree I actually was just like as listening to Lynn narrate this I was like man I I really like Sydney because he's just like this cartoon villain and I yeah and I adore him for it and yeah Giancarlo is like such a good actor and like with his cute little inspector gadget outfit and his like muck raking like he should have new like evil newsies like you know dancing around him and shit and I'm just like this is like this is so good why is the genie plotline so bad so bad he's like the the (sighs) anti-David situation yeah where it's like we love fairy tale charming but you come into the real world and David's pissing us off on the other hand, Storybrooke Sydney is fantastic. 
we just don't need to go back to the other world at all. No. Which is unfortunately where we're going right now. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Because back in the Enchanted Forest, the king is celebrating his birthday in the Great Hall. In a speech, King Leopold declares no gifts are required to mark his birthday as they all pale, Bedumptis, in comparison to the greatest gift of all, his daughter Snow, as she is a reminder of her mother, who, like Snow, truly was the fairest in all the land. This man is obsessed with outward appearances, especially regarding the women in his life. It is so unsettling. Yeah, like, see, once again, the only thing he says about Snow is that she's pretty. And, like, that's fucked up, man. She has so many amazing qualities, and you're just like, oh, my pretty daughter. It's a little creepy. Yeah. It's not like, good. Back to the, hey, does he suck? He sucks. <laughs> he sucks. He sucks. The queen slips out of the hall, dejected and morose. The genie follows her outside into the orchard where they first met. Queen Regina says no matter how hard she tries to please the king, she will never be loved the way Snow's mother was. They stand at the queen's apple tree, which she says is like her, trapped in the castle and does not truly belong. The genie commiserates with her and gives her a mirror that, so that she can see herself as he does, as the fairest in all the land. This part is just bad. Nothing about this whole thing is good. He's coming on super strong and She's clearly laying it on really thick to set up groundwork to manipulate the hell out of him. It's like watching a car crash in slow motion, and I don't want to be watching it at all because it's bad. It's so uncomfortable. It's, it's not only uncomfortable, first of all, it's, it's like it plays out almost like a telenova. Yeah. And, and it's just like, oh, That's God. being mean to telenovelas, honestly. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I felt, I felt dirty even just comparing just... them. But like, yeah, like just, just like, I mean, yes, I know that like, I mean, how I always describe Once Upon a Time is it is like, it's a fairy tale soap opera. Absolutely. But like, and, and it is. And it's like scenes like this, though, that really remind me like just how soap opera-y it can get. And, and I'm just like, oh, God, this is awful. And, and mm -hmm. I can't, and I can't like spoil anything in the future, but like there are facts that I know in the future about this whole situation that go back even further that just like makes me angry and uncomfortable and frustrated because I, I do feel like, I do feel like there are some, there's some truth. There, there's like a grain of truth in what Regina is moping about there is but yeah. i mean i feel like you know that was like a long time ago and this yeah. is like mm -hmm. you know ten, like 10 years later at this point she's just gay for murder yeah yeah exactly yeah. horny for murder she's <laughs> horny for mad horny she, for murder she had her time being sad and you know a lot of the good in her was just kind of wasted out of her and now she's just horny for murder yeah mm -hmm. listeners who are listening for the first time will learn all about later so we won't say any details but yeah, because they haven't seen her be at all horny for murder up to this point. Oh, no, and just they the already fact know that, that she, she once, once upon a time, she was not horny for murder. That's a spoiler. <laughs> there was a brief oh, period yes. of her life for which she was not horny for murder. Alrighty, back in Storybrooke, Emma and Sydney scour records, some of which are missing. Mary Margaret shows up in a fluster, abruptly stopping as soon as she sees Sydney. When Emma and Sydney realize that they can't get a judge to issue a search warrant because Regina owns them all, Sydney suggests they do the investigation his way. 
He says, sometimes doing a bad thing for a good reason is okay. Mary Margaret chimes in, anxiously agreeing that if you're doing something wrong, but maybe it's meant to be, maybe it's right. Does that make you a bad person? Drink your tea, Mary Margaret. <laughs> she's so extremely cute, though, and she's like, just like maniacally rationalizing, though. And she's like, but, but that's okay, Oh, right? no, it's adorable. <laughs> oh, no, it's super, super cute, but I'm just like, oh, my God. I hope that's chamomile and there's yeah, no caffeine in that. Deep Drink breath. more tea. <laughs> it's it's very good especially because emma definitely does like almost a comical slow turn to look at her <laughs> yeah she's all like what the fuck? like what the hell are you talking about right now <laughs> and mary margaret's just like nothing nothing what are you talking about emma feels that mary margaret and sydney are doing a lot of rationalizing they agree to go talk to regina they confront regina about the missing fifty thousand dollars she says that the record's probably burned in the fire, convenient, and insists that she has nothing to hide. Emma tells Regina that they have nothing and she and Sydney leave. On their way out, Emma reveals that she planted a bug on Regina's desk. This is the first time I agree with the timeline in Storybrooke. Regina says it's been three weeks since the fire and I can get behind that. Yeah, checks out. Unfortunately, back in the enchanted forest of the past, the king calls the genie. <laughs> I don't want to be here. <laughs> I don't want to be here either. But goddamn it, if I have to be here, you have to be here too. <laughs> uh, that's where I'm at. I don't want to go back to this place. I don't want to be here. But anyway, I am. Let's get on with the goddamn episode. <laughs> the king calls the genie and says, he thinks his wife's heart belongs to another man. The genie assures him the queen would never stray. But King Leopold shows the genie her diary, which has an entry about the mirror the genie gave her, giving her hope for love. Fuck you, dude. Why are you going through your wife's diary? You're a cad. Fuck you. The King Leopold sucks shit is just like stacking evidence. Yeah. There's just more and more things that's like, no, he sucks. He, he sucks. And I don't know if like they did this for like Regina benefit, like characterization benefit to be like, look, he kind of was kind of a dick, you know? I think uh, they yeah. semi do so that you're yeah. really like sympathizing with her and being like, oh yeah, of course he's got to save her. He's got to yeah. save her. Look how terrible this is. Look how bad this man is to her. She's absolutely 100% the victim and has never done anything wrong in her life ever. <laughs> So I think that they are doing that for Regina's yeah. benefit. <sighs> Regardless, the king, who sucks, says he realizes the queen, who also sucks, is unhappy and yearns for someone to love her like I never can. However, he never anticipated Regina would betray him like this. Dude, shut up. Like, you just admitted that you can't love her. So why do you think she owes you anything when you never even tried? He's all like, I can't love her the way she deserves, but my God, how dare she fall for another man? You know, maybe Regina would have found love again had Leopold actually put in the effort. Fuck this guy. I have no fucks for him. Off with his head. Seriously, like this, this rewatch, I was like, King Leopold is, he's actually horrible. Like, fuck him. Like, why would he get remarried if he straight off the bat knew he could never love her? Like, congratulations. You ruined a lady's life just because you couldn't be asked to be a single father to Snow White. Like, this man is trash. And being mad that she loves someone else, like, damn, dude, you trapped her in a loveless marriage. Like, stop. Yeah, and like, what's, what's so wrong with like an enchanted divorce? Yeah. Hello? <laughs> Do they have those? Uh, they should. He's they should. the king. 
yes, can hope for the law. They do. That's true. I mean, that's how we got divorced in the first place. Yep. Oh, God. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I have to sometimes just take a second and just collect myself before I continue with this episode. But I'm good now. King Leopold charges the djinn with the task of learning the identity of the man who has stolen the queen's heart. Every man in this scene is being an idiot and disappointing to me. We're like halfway through the episode and I'm so tired. Also, I have to level that I was high-key distracted through this whole tiresome scene because it bothers me so much that the makeup department couldn't be bothered to properly set Giancarlo's makeup right. So all I could stare at was the bad eyeliner transfer onto his upper eyelids and mute horror. Oh no! Like, baby, no! They've done you so wrong! Yeah, and, and his, like, so face is shiny. Like, they couldn't, like, be arsed to, like, find a they powder. They didn't set it! They didn't they, yeah, set his makeup! they didn't set it. And, like, they couldn't be arsed to find, like, a powder that, you know, matched hmm. his uh, complexion. And I'm just like... Fuck you, that's your job. That's yeah. your whole job. Your whole job is so that when he closes his eyes, I don't see his eyeliner stuck under his eyebrows. And it was like, I feel like I would have had more of the righteous indignation that you guys had about King Leopold's speech if I could have just stopped staring at his eyelids. <laughs> but I couldn't, it was horrifying. Oh. And Carla deserves better than this. God, yeah, he does. <sighs> but luckily we're going back to Storybrooke where Sydney is and we like him better. So <laughs> here we go. He's checking the tapes of Regina's calls and has something about a meeting Regina is setting up where she's going to exchange a large amount of cash with an unknown person. That night, they follow Regina out to the woods. Where they are conducting the worst stakeout ever. Like seriously, you are right up on her ass. This is the worst episode of Dragnet ever. Also like squad cars are real subtle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I know, we'll take the bright white car with the siren on top of it, but the sheriff's car brakes go out and Emma crashes into a road sign. They get out and investigate. Sydney notes that someone tampered with the brakes, theorizing that Regina found the bug. They take to the woods, Emma infuriated and ready to punch a bitch. I love Emma hitting her breaking point here. And like, she literally says like, that bitch tried to get me killed. I was like, oh, it, Emma. But <laughs> it's, it's so good. She's so ready. She's ready. She's like, it is on. She's like, come at me, scrub lord. I'm ripped. And uh, I love angry Emma. Emma, who is willing to fight anything and is literally the I'll kick my own ass meme is my favorite Emma. <laughs> I love that she is, she is always like in She-Hulk, like just two seconds away from She-Hulk. Oh yeah. Absolutely, yeah. At any given time, Emma can be ready in like 0.5 seconds to just fully throw down. And I think that is fantastic. In fact, I think, I think She-Hulk's real name is Jennifer. Just like this Jennifer. <laughs> Sydney who's not ready to fight a bitch at any given moment, pleads for cooler heads when Mr. Gold emerges with a briefcase in his free hand. Mr. Gold sure does enjoy his shady woodland business deals, doesn't he? He loves them. He really does. He reveals that Regina was meeting him to purchase a portion of his land. He wants to know why they're following Regina around. He warns them that emotional entanglements can lead us down very dangerous paths. Listen to your wicked imp father, Emma. He is far wiser and gives a great deal more fucks about you than Sydney ever has or will. Honestly, the majority of this episode is just, Emma, your adopted dad is trying to save you from bad decisions and you're just not listening to him. <laughs> Listen to <laughs> your godfather. <sighs> but she does. Also, we're going back to the Enchanted Forest. No. God, no! No! no. I want to stay here. I know, let's just stay in Storybrooke, but we can't. We got to get through this. 
and the enchanted forest of the past. The queen's father, Henry Sr., meets the genie at the orchard in lieu of his daughter, whom the genie was expecting. Regina is being held prisoner in her quarters on the king's orders. Henry Sr. begs the genie to deliver a mysterious box to his daughter. Henry Sr. insists the box contains the only thing that can free the queen from this wretched life. He trusts that the genie will do whatever it takes to set her free. And it's really fucked up how Regina dragged her dad into this shit, to be honest. I hope to one day have the energy to write an essay on Henry Sr. I find him super intriguing. Is he culpable? Is he a victim? Is he just a desperate father? He's fascinating and vague in a way that not a lot of our side characters are. Yeah, I think you write that, I will read it. Yeah, I have a lot of empathy for him. He just seems like a sad man. He does. Sad man. We we also know more than some of our listeners, so we know why he's sad oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah he big sad he big, he big sad, sad. <laughs> um but he does he does love regina and but he yeah does. i do, I do wonder if he's like he's like i'm gonna be the best actor that my daughter has ever seen <laughs> like i don't know like how much oh, yeah, he's he's super enabling yeah, he's very, he's an enabling dad. He's the dad that, like, just indulges and never disciplines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, he absolutely is. And you're like, you know, this is why your kid turned out bad, right? And he's like, what? No. What? No, I gave her everything she wanted. She's my little angel. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, where Regina's, like, batting her eyelashes on the side. And just, <laughs> like, subtly shaking the blood off of her hands. I love you, daddy. He's just like, see my little girl, she's perfect. She never done anything wrong in her life. (sighs) God, I'm tired. Back in Storybrooke, Emma drives to Town Hall with the intention of breaking into Regina's office to find records that link her to the land. She invokes her time-honored family lineage by using a rock to smash her way into Town Hall. Emma is a little hoodlum, and I love her for that. Smashy, smashy, like mother, like daughter. With only a few minutes to rummage, Emma manages to retrieve the files onto a flash drive and also finds a massive key ring with a bunch of keys, which she leaves behind. So Town Hall is going to have an alarm system, but Regina's laptop isn't going to have a password on it? Uh, sus. Maybe the password was super easy and it just was Emma sucks, so Emma was able to <laughs> guess it really easily. <laughs> she just typed in, Emma sucks, I'm in! I'm in. <laughs> I got it. Code correct. Always so predictable, Regina. She starts looking for Henry's book when Regina shows up. I do really love this part, though, because Sydney is like, we didn't come here for Henry. And Emma is just like, I am always here for Henry. And there are a few things in this show that I find more endearing than Emma's aggressive mama bear affection for Henry. But anyway, I digress. Emma gives the mayor some cock and bull story about Sydney taking an evening stroll and witnessing teenagers throwing a rock through a window. Emma's there because she's the sheriff. Duh, Regina. Emma offers to take the place apart to find evidence of whether anything was taken, but Regina says her services are not needed nor wanted. Unfortunately, back at King Leopold's castle in the past, the queen gives the genie a huge embrace. I know, I hate it too, and says her love for him grows stronger, but there is no escape as the king is sure to discover it is the genie whom she loves. The genie hands her the box and tells her that her father said what's inside will give Regina her freedom. 
She opens the box to reveal two Agrabah vipers, snakes so deadly they kill with just one bite. She tells him that with one small bite, she can be free from this prison forever. She apologizes they can't be together, but perhaps in another life we will find each other again. She extends her hand towards the box, but the genie grabs it and says, there is another way. What if the king didn't live, he muses. Awestruck, Regina asks, you would do that for me? To which the djinn replies that he would do anything for her. She embraces him in relief, claiming she doesn't know what she would do without him. He tells her she will never have to find out. And like this scene, oh my God, how did we get here? They literally talked like once. Where the hell is this development coming from? I hate it. And I'm tired. And why do they keep cramming Lana in stretch velvet dresses? What year is this? Oh no. <laughs> Look what you did. Look what you did, Kitsowitz. You broke I can't her. Anymore. You broke her. You, you fucking broke her. You broke my fiance. <laughs> and oh my God, I cannot stand the level of dramatics. The gin is magic. Why didn't he just offer to sweep Regina off to Agrabah? Like, what the fuck? Did his magic go away with his imprisonment? I mean, I don't know, because I'm going off of Aladdin logic, where the genie retained all of his magic. He just wasn't, you know, compulsed to give it to other people. So I, I, don't, I just don't know. No, no. I think it just goes back to every adult man in this episode is so stupid. And the writing of this specific plot is uh, gross and lazy. It's gross uh, and lazy. Also, yeah, I mean, like, we're including the two male writers. In or, this, yeah, or gross and convoluted. Like, all of them are stupid. Uh -huh. Maybe not lazy, ghost, uh -huh. gross and convoluted? Yeah, gr no, gross no, and convoluted. No, no, lazy's good too. I think we could throw lazy in there also because, hey, remember, even if he doesn't have magic himself, you know what he does have that could get them out of this fucking A situation wish. without bringing murder into it? Yeah, the goddamn fucking last wish. Yeah, so nobody yeah. would have to die. No, but instead he's all like, you know what is a totally better option than either of us who, by the way, both have magic, using magic? What if we just straight up murdered somebody? Yeah, not great. just somebody, right? Like the fucking reigning monarch. Only the of most this prolific kingdom. person in this entire kingdom. That's gonna be the most noticed when he's killed. Cause oh yeah, he's the king. <sighs> Whatever, let's get through this. Okay, we're back in Storybrooke, Lynn. Back in Storybrooke. You say it's okay, it's not because it's you know who's okay. here. Do you know who's here? Because you know what we see next? We see the stranger and he finds Henry at Granny's diner trying to write everything he remembers from his book before he forgets it in August. Get away from Henry, August, you piece of shit. <laughs> Even after Henry tries to be evasive, the stranger continues to press Henry for details, causing the boy to confront the stranger on his interest in Henry and his book. And Henry straight read, you for filth, you gross bastard. Henry snapping at August is amazing. Chef kiss, Mwah. amazing. I it love is. you, Henry. I love it. it. This kid just literally goes like, you have an awful, like, what, what did he say? What was his line? God damn it. It was like, it was so like you cool. are awfully interested in me and my book. Yeah. <laughs> Like just, wow, shuts this grown ass man down. And I love him. I love him. I love you, Henry. I think He's Henry like, needs to give lessons boy. on consent and, mm -hmm. and stranger danger. And mm -hmm. yeah, he just needs to be a teacher at this point. He's just like- He's an inspiration. 
he's just one step short of the Bobby Hill, that's my purse, I don't know you, self-defense <laughs> class, <laughs> which I keep waiting for. <sighs> August, the phenomenal dick, says he's just being neighborly, because, you know, believable. Henry needles the man again about what he's doing in Storybrooke because he's suspicious as fuck. The stranger says he's the writer who's doing quote-unquote stuff, again, suspicious as fuck, in town. He wishes Henry luck with the stories and leaves him be. God, he's just, he's so nasty with his unbuttoned shirt and his douchey necklaces and his hair that he still hasn't washed, by the way. He's just swatting into grannies, looking like a bad 70s porn star, and I just hate this man so much. Oh, he would need a stash for to be a 70s porn star. Oh, that, like, he's getting there. He's probably scarf? too dumb to grow a stash. He's got early 90s back, uh, because he's like kind of got that grunge look. No, that's scarf. And he's, he's kind of twinky looking, which in the 70s, that was <laughs> yeah, hot. Um, the, the, the open 90s. scarf is... It's bad. And I'll never unsee that chest hair. Oh, too much. <laughs> I'll never unsee it. Too much. All right. Too fuck much. off, stranger. <laughs> Just, why, why does he even hear I hate August? But meanwhile, Emma and Sydney find escrow documents. Yay. Showing she's looking to build something huge for personal use. But Emma is upset because they've stooped to her level and none of the evidence would be admissible in court. Sydney says they don't need her to go to jail, just to expose her to the town for what she really is. Sydney then shows Emma a bunch of pictures he took of Emma and Henry while following them around town on Regina's orders, which isn't creepy at all. He says Regina knew about their secret place, the castle playground, weeks ago and was just waiting to destroy it when it would hurt them the most. Later that day, at a city council meeting, I said Sydney council meeting. Okay, <laughs> later that day at a city council meeting sydney stands up with something to say but regina silences him quickly emma then stands up and announces that regina is spending thousands of the city's money to build herself a second home in the woods emma goes on to tell the crowd that sydney was fired because he stood up to regina and questioned her she then turns to regina and calls her a thug who doesn't care about anyone but herself coolly regina yields to emma she admits before the council that she is indeed building a house, a playhouse. Regina says she wanted to build a playground that Henry and all the children of Storybrooke could have a place to play safely. She says that the design is based on a sketch she found in one of Henry's books. Emma and Sydney are both thoroughly embarrassed. Also, the sketch looks like her fuck ugly eyesore castle, and I'm sure all the citizens of Storybrooke are really jazzed <laughs> they have that to look forward to, which, yay! It's such a safety hazard, too. Like, every kid, every single kid in Storybrooke is going to lose an <laughs> eye on those metal points. Just bring back the broken pile of rotting wood. It's much safer. Some child is going to get impaled on that damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> but I, too, really love the single shot of Mr. Gold just shaking his head like a disappointed parent. He's just like, oh, you stepped in it now, kiddo. Dude, Emma, come on. A second house on Gold's property. Use that lump three feet above your ass. She is so wound up. She has lost all rational thought capabilities. Yeah, she had that snap point. So when she was like, that bitch cut my... Uh, that bitch cut my brakes. Yeah. <laughs> it's on now. I don't even care now. if I'm right. I just got to swing at her. She basically just becomes... My chainsaw. 
<laughs> she she basically i feel like at this point has hit the point in a lot of old donald duck cartoons yeah where he just is like pinwheeling Spottery. wildly and spouting gibberish and just driving towards a person yeah oh i wish i could do a good donald duck compression because yeah that would be great yeah emma's emma's gone full donald duck at this point oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. oh god in king leopold's kingdom of the past the genie stands over the king while he's sleeping he whispers, forgive me, before he opens the box to release the aggro of vipers into the king's bed. The king awakens just as the vipers poise to bite his neck. As death begins to claim the king, the genie tells the king that he is the man who gave the queen the mirror. And while he is forever in Leopold's death, that's not going to stop him from straight up murdering him. The genie must now free the queen. Just before he dies, the king grabs the genie's hand and tells him he was right. He never should have made a wish. But like, also, where do the fucking god-awful CGI snakes go? They're just at large in the castle now, I guess. Which is super. The guards find them. Eventually, do we know what happens between now and then? <laughs> no, but think of it this way. There's more of Regina's guards, probably, that less, less of them that you have to look at. That's so. true. That got some of those fuck-ugly helmets out of the way, probably. Yeah, there you go. So how would you to describe the look on the genie's face after the king says that? I want to say it's guilty, but resigned and stunned, like all at the same time. Like it's super indescribable. Like he's just like, he kind of like turns to the camera and it's just like, yeah, I don't know, like, what have I done? I don't know. I'm back to, I would describe it as bad. Like, <laughs> like love, it makes us do crazy things. Wildly pose afterwards with like yeah. his, like, the back of his hand against his forehead yeah be like, huh. and then everything oh. turns like freeze frame and then like the vaguely watercolor yeah <laughs> are we all voguing now are we voguing is that what's happening strike a pose no we're at end 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 scene in an anime yeah we're at uh, we're, we're a dramatic ending of an anime episode oh yes now. oh yeah where everything turns to watercolor yeah it's mm -hmm. the end of a, a 1980s shoujo anime and, and like everyone stops moving but somehow they're still flower petals that can blow across the screen even though yeah. nothing else is in motion. Oh, so it's Cardcaptor Sakura. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, we weren't yeah. naming any names. A little, a little Rosa Versailles. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh my god. Okay. Don't, don't get me <laughs> to started. To be fair, an awful lot of 90 shoujo was guilty of doing that exact goddamn thing. Because <laughs> okay. I can also be like, Utena did it. Sailor Moon did it. <sighs> but that's not what's important. Getting this episode over with is what's important. Yep. And outside after the city council meeting, Mr. Gold tells Emma she's going to need a strong ally if she really wants to bring Regina down. And it's funny because he looks at Sydney like not this piece of shit. Emma turns down his offer and he walks off. Mr. Gold is so frustrated with Emma, like goddamn do-gooder jeans are taking over her common sense. Motherfucker. Like he just wants to go into full Rumblestiltskin mode and he can't because he doesn't have fucking magic. But... <laughs> It's just like, ah, like, I need, I need this bitch to believe. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Gold is just so tired and done in this episode. Like, even if he does, he does, he doesn't even have time with this shitty flashback storyline. He's done. He's done. Mr. Gold is how I feel.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Regina comes up and asks Emma to go back to her job, which is upholding the law, not breaking it. When Emma confronts Regina about her faulty breaks, Regina is genuinely surprised and denies it, especially seeing as she has nothing to hide, which is bullshit, but whatever. Regina further tells Emma that she's not allowed to see Henry anymore unless she says so. So this is like the second time we've had the words nothing to hide. Now I can't get nothing to hide, nothing to hide, nothing to hide. Stupid sexy Uh, Regina. Stupid sexy Regina. (laughs) Henry's two moms are having a domestic. Oh, it's always the hardest on the kids. I know. Emma finds Henry playing at the new playhouse. Aw, it's ugly, small, and cheap, and creepy looking. Thanks. I hate it. Right? Like, you expect me to believe that this shitty tetanus hazard playground cost the money Regina is claiming it did? Like, okay, it's clearly stapled together from remnants dug out of the Lowe's dumpster, but sure, it costs thousands of dollars. Yeah, $50,000 to be exact. Uh My first notes were, wow, $50,000 doesn't get you very much in Maine, does it? What's the goddamn inflation in Storybrooke that that's what this buys you? It's it's just the most hideous and dangerous looking playground I've ever seen. And I would have taken them doing like some awkward CGI monstrosity over whatever it is that they had to build in a budget right here. Because it's It should have been like all like reclaimed relics from like dilapidated McDonald's playgrounds, you know? <laughs> like the Mayor McCheese like I ladder thing. Loved that. The tunnel. And it was like the like the like I mean it really did feel like you were trying to break out of jail. And it was just what it was supposed to be. It was like a jail. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because you're supposed like, to be like the hamburglar. Yeah. And and then like that weird like grimace thing where you're just jumping on like his middle because mm-hmm. he's like sawed in half and it's just it's not even springy. It's just a platform that's vaguely wobbly that would have been better i wish that's what we got here and instead we just got something that is like a clear setup for a final destination death yeah so many kids are gonna die from those impaling grizzly grizzly it's gonna be trick-or-treat part two (sighs) it's just yeah it's just gonna be like oh the grizzly child deaths of 2013 this was bad yeah this was bad this was a bad choice like I said earlier, the subtitle of this episode, choices were made. Most of them were bad. Most of them were bad. Pretty much all of them were bad, <laughs> but they were still choices. <sighs> Henry sees Emma from afar and they chat over the walkie-talkie where Emma explains that she messed up and can't see him for a while. She tells Henry she's going to find his book, but he says it's probably gone and it's probably never coming back. Oh my Emma. god, he's such a pessimist. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, his <laughs> life is his terrible. Hope, his no, hope I was know, already it's just, bulldozed it's, today. I know, but it like it hurts my fucking heart. Like I've I've had like I've 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 dealt with kids like this, and I'm just like, oh my god, you poor kid. 
like he's he's basically just charlie brown's sadly yes! shuffling home in the rain yes <laughs> with like no valentines and Mm-mm. and only rocks in his trick-or-treat bag and fuck man he yep, is doing charlie his, brown doing his monologue from the christmas episode with the i didn't <sighs> get any christmas cards again i know nobody likes me i don't oh, know why Jesus. we have to have a whole season about it oh god oh, fuck poor kid them talking on those walkie-talkies was really sweet and sad, though. It was, because they're it cute. Was. They're very cute. I'm glad this was not the last we see with the walkie-talkies. Yeah. No, me too. Unfortunately, we next see the stranger in his room at Granny's B&B, opening the metal box where Henry kept his book and pulling it out. I hate you, August. I hate you. Go die in a fire. You stole from a child, you noxious human waste. August, you shady bitch. Stealing a book from a little boy is a new low. <sighs> Emma and Sydney meet up for a beer at Granny's Diner and lament how they were too blinded by their anger, causing them to miss the facts. Sydney says there are a lot more skeletons in Regina's closet. He says the good news is that Emma has found herself an ally. Emma vows that they won't get fooled again. In the enchanted forest of the past, the genie comes to the queen. I don't know why, but he does. Eager to be together at last. Sadly, the queen tells him the guards found those fucking CGI snakes and know they're from the genie's country. They know it was you who killed the king, she says. It's only a matter of time before they catch you. You will be executed. She apologizes really sincerely, saying they will never be together. However, Regina has arranged for a boat to provide him safe passage out of the kingdom. The genie realizes now. Uh, the queen set it all up. Uh, homie, you're only connecting the dots now? Men being stupid and disappointing. Anyway, of all the snakes in the world she could have chosen, he realizes, Regina chose the Agrabah Viper. So the murder would be traced back to him. He declares that she never loved him, which, like, duh. She does not deny it, saying, well, like, duh. And she wanted the king killed, and the genie made that happen, so it all worked out for her. But he's no longer of any use to her, and she tells him to flee the kingdom and never come back. Despite her rejection and coldness, the genie claims he cannot and will not live without her. And, like, dude, you've known each other for, like, five minutes. Come the fuck on. Bro, no. See, this is where my sympathy for the genie comes to an abrupt stop because this is so unhealthy. He quickly turned into an obsessive stalker and I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Thank you. I hate it. That's like, yeah, because that's that's like I bring back my point that every adult we see in the flashback is a bad person. Yeah, the scene is so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. for both parties. It's so bad. Mm Um, I guess acting wise, I like the choice of Lana. Wait, I'm sorry. This scene is uncomfortable. No, this episode. This episode. Thank you. I was gonna say that's implying that we've been having a good time up until now. No, no. But okay, everything about this is uncomfortable. <laughs> Thank you. But uh, I like the choice of Lana finally slipping into her evil queen voice here. Thought that was a nice touch. Uh, besides that, I hated this scene, and I was glad when it was over. God, just yeah. like I felt when this episode ended. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> she repeats to the genie that she doesn't love him and says there's no way we will ever be together. The genie contests that there is one way, which is creepy. 
He pulls out the lamp and uses his last wish, stupid bastard, to be together with the queen always and to look upon her face always and to never leave her side. And like, man, why do you even want this? She treated you like garbage. Also like, my dude, come on. You had a whole thing about how all witches backfire. You knew this is going to go to shit. Like, if a lady uses you as an assassination tool, maybe don't wish to be with her forever? I mean, you know, you'd hope you have some standards, but apparently not. I don't know. What the fuck do I know? I don't know anything anymore. This episode's broken me. So so creepy. He turned into a creeper. And it really, like, I I don't use the word like triggered very uh lightly but like i've i've had like dudes oh no it's it's creepy it's creepy (laughs) like his his use of words is creepy like you're like oh buddy this is getting real bad yeah yeah like yeah i like i I, i've had stalkers before and Mm -hmm. oh like yeah like i said my my sympathy for the genie abruptly stops my love for sydney continues to carry on because that's Sydney because doesn't he's, know that he's he, the he anti-david he doesn't know yeah yeah he's he doesn't even person. know that he's the genie yeah um, he's he's the anti-david he's he's good in storybrook and shit in the enchanted forest and yeah. david is kind of shit in storybrook and great in the enchanted forest yeah they balance each other I don't know what I'm talking about. It's just, let's get this shit show over with. Delirious. <laughs> or just, delirious with just the badness of this. God, yeah. No, my soul my soul left my body out of self-preservation about half an hour ago. Yeah, like two paragraphs left, babe. Two paragraphs left. I know. Push through. Push through. <sighs> All right. Suddenly, the genie vanishes in a puff of blue dust, and Regina bewilderedly looks around for him very comically. She hears the genie's muffled screams and pulls out her mirror, where she sees him inside, pounding at the glass from within. Well, it looks like you got your wish, Regina says with a wry smile. You will be with me forever. Pfft, fart noises. Fart Back noises. in Storybrooke. <laughs> Regina meets with Sydney at her office, who reveals a tape of his conversation with Emma, which is really, really shitty. But we're not all that surprised. They've been together on this all along. Regina tells Sydney that cutting the brakes on Emma's car was inspired. Sydney ensures Regina that everything Emma does, she will know about it. Regina looks at Sydney closely and touches him suggestively as she coos, I don't know what I'd do without you. He looks back in her eyes but says nothing. It's super gross! End gross. credits. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> it was so gross! Uh, thanks, I hate it. Um, I'm unsure if we're supposed to feel sorry for Sydney or find him culpable because he's obsessed with her despite knowing Regina's true colors. I don't know. It's awful any which way you spin it. Although I will say this, man, Regina really like really missed her calling as like a really classy, expensive dominatrix. And I think Sydney uh, would have been her be- best client. You know? Yeah. There's yeah. a kink in there. He seems yeah. to be into it. He's like, she's mean to me, and I like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a career out of that, Regina. There I'm is. She saying. can make a bank. She's already bank. got the wardrobe for it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't know, guys. I hate this episode. I just hate it. John Carlo was such a good actor, and he could have been something so great in the show, and they just wasted him on this stupid genie, and it makes me angry. And, like, please, I, I can't. I can't even get started about how the only POC semi-lead gets turned into literal furniture. It's so bad, and it's not even well-written. 
And like, I'm trying to come up with something I liked about this episode. I'm trying really hard. And like, the only things I've got is Emma wore the Gerard Way jacket again, which is good. And Henry destroyed a grown man for being a useless piece of shit, which was good. And that's all I have. This episode is bad and it can go to hell. Yeah, I'm not a fan of this episode at all. And it's basically the bulk of it is all because of this enchanted forest plotline. Like the storybook plotline, it, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, could we have just had that? Yeah. Did we need did we need to to have the rest of it? Could we have yeah. just had the weird Just stuff have that. Actually? Like like Emma and Sydney Glass team up it was kind of fun. And and overall I think Sydney Glass has a really great potential as a character. And that, yeah, I wish they sh- they could have done something so much interesting because John Carlo is a good fucking actor. He's such a good actor. But this is this is what they give him. This is his episode. This is what they give him. And it's 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 bad. This genie storyline is so uncomfortable. And yeah. yeah, this is only my this was only my second time rewatching this episode because during when Lynn and me have rewatched it, we've always skipped it because this is a bad episode and it's an uncomfortable episode. And like all key players in this backstory pull really shitty moves, which makes it really hard to sympathize with anyone besides, I guess, poor Snow White in the background of all this. Like she's there, she's perfect she's doing nothing wrong but uh, it's just bad and like so this episode is our first real example of this reoccurring plot device um that once upon a time does that does not work for me and that is having an established character having them linked to a certain fairytale character and then going and also they're this one and also they're this one so in this case they're like Sydney Glass is the magic mirror and then they're like, but also he's a genie. And it, I don't know, it doesn't work for me. I can, and they do it's it again. It's tiresome. It's tiresome. And they do it again and again. And I can only think of two instances uh, where this works for me. And in most cases, it doesn't work. And this is the first example of them trying it and it falling flat. And they will do this again multiple times. And they will do this even in some cases and then backpedal later. It's yeah. bad, fam. Bad, fam. Yeah. yeah. But most importantly, like, writers don't have your only, like, main actor of color have a plot all around being a captive. Like, fuck you for that. Yeah. So poorly done. This is the only episode we get centered around Giancarlo, and it's deeply uncomfortable. It's wasted talent, and he deserved better than the shitty backstory of being various people's possessions. Not okay. Oh. that's all i have hey, you want to talk about the costumes let's talk about the costumes yeah yeah snow. mildly perk us up yeah. yeah snow has two really sweet looks in this flashback uh, she starts off in that white winter cloak and flower crown and then later she has a sweet white dress with little pink flowers in her updo and both look lovely on her hey snow um but emma wears a this turtleneck in the tunnel scene that perfectly matched her eyes and it was really nice and i was just like you're oh. big on that you're big it on people having great. costume peaches that match eyes it's really yeah, nice you really clearly, notice that clearly someone doing the costumings here is making these conscious decisions to complement characters eyes with their clothing because they're definitely doing it and it looks really nice i like the silver dress queen regina wears at the party I'm not a fan of the high neck 
low back blue dress, the stretch velvet one Lynn was talking about. Mm. Oh, she and that she wears when she like finally flips the flips the switch in the evil queen mode. And I think the combination of that dress and her hairstyle really ages her in that flashback, which doesn't make sense because she's supposed to be younger. She looks much older in that flashback than you know she does in Storybrooke. Every time they cram Lana in yet another stretch velvet weird dress, it just makes me think of a Star Trek fan live journal I followed back in the day that had a whole spiel about velour is a very sensual fabric. <laughs> it's all I can think every single time she comes in and it is velour. It is, it is very, 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 very <laughs> like, what was Deanna Troy's mom's name? Oh, Loxana! Loxana! Loxana Troy. Troy. It's absolutely it's, all, something. They are, they're all Loxana Troy dresses. Oh, Loxana absolutely Troy. something Loxana Troy would come swan in and perv on Picard in. <laughs> and the way she, like, like Regina reclines, kind of, you know, like, especially mm-hmm. the way she did in uh, The Heart is a Lonely Hunter, like, that is a very Loxana Troy pose. Goddamn, I love Loxana Troy, which is neither here nor there. But goddamn, <laughs> I love that woman. But... Yeah, God, I don't have that much to talk about as far as costumes. Snow's outfits were perfect. I've actually done one of the ones that gets used in this episode, but she's also perfect because she's Snow. And quite frankly, I'm glad she was barely in this sack of crap episode because she deserves better. Yeah, you did the one that she wears at the party, right? Yeah, she wears it a couple of other times. Yeah. So I didn't do it. I didn't do it with the updo with the flowers. I did it with the long, the long loose hair. But that is that is the dress that I made for D23 when you were Regina. Yeah. And we weren't dating yet. So it wasn't weird. It wasn't weird. Wasn't weird. (laughs) I love that you two have to put that disclaimer. Disclaimer. It wasn't weird that we were being. We're not dating yet. So it wasn't weird that she was my stepmother because we were not dating. My only comment on the costumes for this episode was that I really liked Queen Regina's winter outfit in the oh, orchard, yeah. like her little fur hat with a little fur trimmed like dress and stuff. It was yeah. pretty. Yeah, that it was, was very big pretty. Was I really look. liked it. It was like a kind of like a sable and white color. Mm-hmm. It was interesting because that outfit and then Snow had the like little winter cloak in that outfit too and mm-hmm. Um, that was interesting because they were both in the garden and King Leopold was just like, oh, they're beautiful. And you're like, oh, I feel like they were like, actually like, this is how he likes his things dressed. And now I'm angry at Leopold again. Yeah, it, it kind of, yeah, now that I think about it, like their outfits were kind of similar and it kind of does give you the idea that he like, was like, I buy my pretty things matching clothes. Yeah. <laughs> I like to look at them and they're matching clothes. Gross. Gross. I, don't, I mean, I'm actually, I don't know, because it got kind of creepy that he just kept being like, my daughter Snow, she's so pretty. pretty she pretty. reminds me of her dead mother. And it's like, whoa, dude, Ew. whoa, dude, whoa, dude. Ew. This is getting weird. This, this is, is getting not weird. a trope I enjoy. This is not nope. a tag on archive of our own that I search for. Thank you. Maybe, oh. maybe I'm not so sad that you died terribly. I'm not. Like, oh. I'm completely not. I'm like, oh, whatever, buddy. This like, is. Hey, guess this what? Is... You actually sucked. This flashback is just three adults are gross. Yeah. <laughs> and poor yeah. Snow White is here and she shouldn't be. Please get away from these bad adults, Snow White. <laughs> None of them has your best interest in mind. Hey, good news. She's about to get away from these adults, as yeah. we will learn right now in Once Upon a Timeline. <laughs> what a great transition. Good job, Elisa. <laughs> All right. So this episode, we see the death of Snow White's father, King Leopold, who sucks. Yay. This means... This series of flashbacks 
directly precedes the beginning of The Heart is a Lonely Hunter, episode seven's flashbacks. As there, we see Snow White mourning her father. From the flashbacks we've already seen leading up to this episode, only two actually fall before the flashbacks in this episode. So the closest point in time to this episode from hitting four is actually episode five, That Still Small Voice. We end that episode with Jiminy promising to look over a young Geppetto. And the Geppetto we see interact with an adult Snow White, you know, it's probably at least, at least 30 years her elder. So we can guesstimate about 50 to 60 years have passed from the Still Small's voice final flashback to this episode's flashbacks based on Snow White's and Geppetto's ages. And of course, the only flashback we've seen so far that's actually older than a Still Small's voice flashback is episode eight, Desperate Souls, because Desperate Souls shows the origin of Rumpelstiltskin becoming the Dark One, and he appears as the Dark One in a Still Small voice. So in summary, Timeline-wise, this episode's flashbacks takes place about 50 or so years after episode 5, that still small voice, is flashbacks, and then it immediately happens before episode 7's The Heart is a Lonely Hunter's flashback. Next time on Once Upon a Rewatch, after Mr. Gold's house is robbed, Emma keeps a close eye on him when it looks like he wants to track down the criminal and dole out some vigilante justice as payback. And Valentine's Day finds Mary Margaret, Ruby, and Ashley having a girls' night out. Meanwhile, in the fairy tale land that was, Belle agrees to a fateful deal to give up her freedom in order to save her town from the horrors of the Ogre War. <laughs> I know you're so excited. I just to again. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the Narrators 3. The moral of this episode is this episode is beyond morality. <laughs> You can find us on anchor.fm slash once upon a rewatch, on Twitter at once upon rewatch, and at Tumblr at once upon a rewatch.tumblr.com. I want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro is Fairy Tale Waltz. And remember, all box devices come with a price. He says the good news is that am I. I called her M.I. Hi. <laughs> this is M.I. Am I tired? Oh, but I'm sure fucking am. <laughs> oh, I like that it's punctuated by clearly an ambulance <laughs> driving by my window. <laughs> yeah, keep that in too. Because <laughs> uh, it's like, and then she died. <laughs> Take us away. Holy <laughs> vey.